Blog Talk Radio. Driving all night, my hands wet on the wheel. It's talking in circles. There's a voice in my head that drives my heel. With your host, Clayton Caldwell. My baby calling till I need you here. And John Harlow. And it's a half past four and I'm shifting gear. Hello everybody and welcome to Talking in Circles. I am Clayton Caldwell here with John Harlow. And the silly season is in full swing and last week, Nice Motorsports announced uh, their plans for the 2018 season, including those plans with Austin Wayne Self and Justin Fontaine, who will drive the 2018 season for Nice Motorsports this season, driving the number 45 truck this, this week. We have him on our show. Justin, thanks for joining the show tonight. Hey, thank you guys for having me. It's good to be here. No problem. I'll tell you, Justin, we spoke with your teammate Austin Wayne Self last weekend about the 2018 season. Uh, you guys got an alliance with um, GMS Racing sounds like there's a lot to be excited about over there at Nice Motorsports. Losing, using the LMR engines, uh, how excited are you for this season coming up in 2018? Uh, we're we're pumped up, man. It's been it's been a lot of great things uh, developing here in the last couple of weeks, getting the GMS alliance together and uh, putting putting Austin in the 22 truck and myself in the 45, and just you know getting this whole thing assembled has been has been a really fun process and just so many. Uh, exciting, you know, prospects and moving, moving the shop from our, our original location in Mooresville to Statesville, actually right next to GMS Racing now. Um, it's all been been really exciting and just uh, a lot of positive things have been happening the last couple of weeks. Hey, Justin, it's John Harlow. Thanks for joining us on the show. Um, a couple truck start, three truck starts last year. Um, no top tens, but you're you've sort of got your feet wet. What are your expectations going here into 2018? You know, I think um, we've we've tried to set reasonable uh, expectations uh, for myself and, and my team. You know, um, you said you know only having a three truck start, so um, I'm I'm pretty you know inexperienced uh, when it comes to you know the young guys you know coming into truck. I don't have a have a lot of experience you know in this top level of sports. So uh, we're trying to set reasonable expectations. Um, you know, uh, we're looking at. Trying to be in the top 15 basically every week, I think, is a really good goal to start the year off. But by the end of the year, we're hoping that we're a top 10 team, just like uh, uh, you know, just like other you know, top tier organizations. So um, we're trying to be reasonable with, with what we what we need to do, but uh, we also have some some goals we want to beat by the time we get to Homestead. You know, Justin, uh, a lot of stuff has come out about your organization this week. There was talk, uh, announced that your crew chiefs. Uh, Daryl Morrow will be your crew chief. Chris Bowman will be the crew chief for Austin Wayne South. Uh, can you give us a little bit of background as far as Morrow is concerned? Um, you know, obviously you haven't started working with him yet on a, on a regular basis, but from what you know from him, uh, just I'm sure you guys have met, uh, what kind of guy is he and how do you think uh, working with him will ha- – how do you think that will go here in 2018? Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about me and Daryl working together. I got a chance to meet him here a couple weeks ago, and, and since then we've talked, you know, on the phone and whatnot. And I was actually up at the shop yesterday with uh, with my dad and my team and uh, kind of just getting uh, getting the lay of the land a little bit and, and talking more with Daryl. Uh, he's been he's been really good to talk to so far. He's he's got a, a good personality, a calm personality, which uh, you know is good for a rookie. I think having a, having a calming influence on the radio is is always really good for someone like me who's just getting started in, in this deal. So really excited about about working with him. I think uh, I think he and I have already hit it off really well. So hopefully uh, hopefully that relationship just gets stronger as, as the season goes on. We're talking with Justin Fontaine on Talking in Circles. And, Justin, um, 
how many races do you have set for the schedule this year in the truck series? And is there a chance it can expand with more sponsorship? I mean, what's coming to the table with you? Who's your sponsor going to be? And how many races are you looking at right now? Well, we're actually going full time this year um, in, in the truck uh, for for 2018. Uh, we haven't uh, we haven't named any sponsorship yet. We're working really hard with some companies that uh, started with me uh, the last couple of years and uh, are looking to continue with me into this season. But uh, nothing nothing to announce just yet on that front. But we'll be we'll be full time in the 45 this year. Yeah, that's awesome news. Uh, your cousins with Chris Fontaine, obviously, you know, uh, people who follow the Truck Series closely uh, recognize that name a little bit. Um, do you lean on him at all? Do you talk to him at all about, you know, obviously it's your rookie season, this season coming up. Has he given you any pointers as far as the truck series and what to look out for since he's got, a, you know, a bunch more starts under his belt? Well, you know, I, I have been working with him, you know, for a while now. I've, you know, he and I, um, you know, I've been going to his races since 2008, uh, back when he was still in late model stuff. So, um, yeah, I've been, I keep in touch with him a lot. You know, we, we haven't gotten to talk much since since we got this full time deal together. But I'm certainly going to be, you know, spending a lot of time with him when we go to Daytona and just uh, talking with him because uh, you know most people, like you said, who know the series, they know how good he is at Daytona and Talladega and the success that he has. He's had there. He led laps there. So um, I'm really looking forward to to leaning on him and, and hopefully we can do a, a Fontaine tandem. Uh, you know, during the race, and we, maybe we can't get our two trucks to the front, but uh, definitely looking to, to lean on him when we uh, when we get down there. One of the things you always look for at Daytona is somebody who's your friend, and if you got a relative, you, I mean, if he doesn't push you around or you don't push him around, what kind of hell is going to happen at the uh, family get together in the summertime? <laughs> That's right. It's going to be kind of an awkward family reunion, I think, if we're not working together at Daytona. Um, but fortunately, fortunately, Chris and I are good friends, so so he and I should be working together. I think that's awesome. You can, also, I, I read that you're running a part-time deal in the Arca Series with Wintron. Can you expand on that? Uh, and why why did you decide to do that? I mean, obviously with the Truck Series, you, you're doing a plenty of racing this year. Why why venture into the Arca Series a little bit this year? Uh, what what benefit does that have for you? Well, we're not doing any ARCA in 2018, but we did a lot of ARCA in 2017. But uh, to, to your point, I think what ARCA has, has done for me is it's given me a really good exposure to uh, the mile-and-a-half uh, speedway that, that we get to go to in truck, uh, like the Chicago Lands, the Poconos, um, the Kentuckys, the Kansas, places like that where I wouldn't get to go in any other you know touring division except ARCA goes there. So um, it was really good for me to get that track time at those places and and, and there's also still a possibility we might run a couple of ARCA races next year just to get some experience that, you know, ARCA's going to the Charlotte Speedway now. So uh, maybe go right. run that, maybe the ARCA car at Charlotte or something like that and just to get some experience. But nothing nothing on that side has really been, been set up yet, but uh, we, we've done a lot of stuff with ARCA this year, uh, this past year. So uh, I think it's been very helpful for me. Yeah, with a lot of holes in the schedule, the way the truck series works, they do the 24 races over the same 38-week period everybody else does. So you got a few holes in there that if you get bored, you can find a race to go to. Uh, one right. question I always have, um, I think the best race of all the three series is the dirt race at Eldora. When you ran ARC, did you run any of the ARCA dirt races? And how do you prepare yourself for running at Tony Stewart's half mile? Well, you know, I'll be honest. With you, I didn't actually get to run the dirt races at at, uh, at uh, the Arca Series. My uh, a friend of mine, Tyler Diffle, got to step in and, and do those races with Wintron, so I, I set out those. But um, we've got a couple plans in place to get ready for dirt. 
um, I'm fortunate that I've made some friends, you know, over the years in the local racing. And, and one of my one of my friends from my late model days, Duke Bear, he has a he has some dirt cars that he's probably going to let me run here as we get closer to to that race up at Wyth Raceway in Virginia, which is a half mile dirt track. So um, basically, my plan is, you know, a few weeks out, start really, uh, you know, put the hammer down some some local dirt racing and just get as much seat time as I can in a dirt car and. And, you know, hopefully that'll help. We saw actually, you know, I think a great example of, of that was Matt Crafton this year. Um, you know, he bought himself a, a modified and, and went out and started practicing and, and sure enough, he won the race in the truck race. So um, I think getting some additional track time for, for the, the, uh, the Derby will be, will be really important as we get closer. Absolutely. And, and you brought up Crafton. Uh, he beat a, a very good dirt driver in uh, Stuart Friesen there as well that night. Um, you know, that we talked to just, uh, Austin Wayne Self last week. Um, he told us about the Elmar engines you guys are, are going to run um, in the truck series next season. Uh, what do you think that's going to do for you as far as competition is concerned? Obviously, Nice Motorsports is a team that hasn't won a race yet in the truck series or uh, a team that's building. Um, and, you know, to go against the big guys, you still have, you know, the Kyle Busch Motorsports of the world who has a, a bunch of Toyota money um, and, and GMS Racing, which is, which is a, a team that's you know, been very successful uh, what does that do as far as leveling the playing field with those engines? Uh, do you think it, it makes the, the, the playing field a little bit more level? I really think it does. I think it gives a team like us a chance to to you know to be on the stage with these guys. You know, like you said, the, the KDMs and uh, are getting you know manufacturing money, and, and some of the smaller teams um, aren't really getting getting a big part of it. So the Ilmore engine really does a good job of leveling the playing field, and it's a big cost saving measure too for for the team owners uh, like Alan East himself. Um, you know, we we want to compete, and we want to we want to do the best job we can. We felt that the, the Nice, uh, or excuse me, the uh, the Ilmore Engine program was was the best way to go. Um, and I think that uh, I think that when once we get this season going, you're going to see uh, some of these smaller teams like us who are using the Ilmore uh, start to show their strength uh, as the season rolls on. And one of the things running uh, as many races you did in the Arca Series last year got you sort of used to the Ilmore Engine. What's it feel like? I mean, they're probably going to to bring as much of the Ilmore engine that they run in the Arca series, they do to the tr- I mean, probably do as much as they can to sim- keep it similar from the Arca truck series. How much different is it running a Ilmore engine in the Arca series than it was running a regular engine in the truck series, like you did a couple times last year? Well, I think the most interesting thing I saw was uh, in the Arca series was just how close the the you know top fifteen or so were in every single race that that we ran, and was just the the, the you know. Um, as I'm sure if you guys have watched some of the arc races, sometimes the field will get a little spread out, but, but in the you know, top dozen or so is just, you know, they're, they're nose to tail, you know, the entire time and they're extremely close racing. So I think that's something that's going to happen in the truck series is you're going to see guys who maybe they run 17th to 18th, you know, every week, um, there might have a chance to really get a lot closer to, um, you know, some of these, the, the top dozen or so, and then it's going to be a little bit more of a equalizer and you're going to see the packs a lot closer up racing. So, uh, I think that'll be something that, that you'll notice next year. It was something that I noticed certainly was, was how close the racing was uh, with the engine relative to uh, the engines that we were using in the trucks last year. We're speaking with Justin Fontaine here on Talking in Circles. Clayton Cole and John Harlow here with you. A couple more, Justin, if you don't mind. Um, you know, you talked about the relationship uh, with Tim Self, who's a part owner of this team. Uh, his son, Austin Wayne Self, obviously is your teammate. What's your relationship like with the Self family and Austin Wayne Self, who's going to be your teammate? Uh, you know, what's that relationship like? Do you know Austin very well? Um, and are you looking forward to working with him here in 2018? 
Well, if you guys got the time, it's actually kind of a funny story how Tim and I became acquainted. Um, I was a um, I was a, a freshman in college at the time, and uh, it was about September of 2016, and was pretty much um, on on the free agent market, I guess you could call it. Um, you know, really wasn't drawing a lot of attention from teams at the time, and um, actually cold called uh wintron racing which am racing was was partnered up with them that year and uh cold called uh wintron and, and kevin Sawinski over there he referred me to tim and uh i got a text message from tim a couple weeks later and he wanted to meet up for coffee and uh he and i met up and we got to know each other and we just really you know we hit it off really quick and uh he you know he saw, he was somebody that i could have seen myself working with and and uh, sure enough you know a couple months later i was in his truck at martinsville and um, and then the relationship's just grown from there, and, and he, he worked with me a lot last year. And um, you know, having having Austin as a teammate's been great because Austin and I have had now about two years to get to know each other, and uh, we've become friends and, and really good teammates. So I'm really looking forward to that. And I think the the self family has has done a really you know big job in, in keeping me in this sport, and they've they've really you know prolonged my lifespan a lot, and they've they've given me a lot of opportunities that I might not have gotten you know had I not had the chance to meet up with them. Uh, Justin, one of the things you look at with the truck series, the way it's sort of shaping up this year, uh, Christopher Bell's moving to the Xfinity series. Kaz Growl is moving to the Xfinity series. Um, Brad Keselowski racing shut down. Uh, Red Horse shut down. There's a lot of heavy hitters that aren't there this year. And you look at whenever you're building a new team, like um, the team is being built right now, whenever Stuart Haas racing came in, they partnered with Hendrick motorsports and look how they came off the bat. One of the that a competitor to win every week with Kyle Busch motorsports, GMS racing and Thor sport. How, uh, how, how much are you looking forward to sort of running the same equipment that Sauter is going to be running and Sauter's up competing for championships every year for GMS racing. I mean, I think it's great. I mean, it really gives us a chance to to see what we can do. You know, um, you know, I've never had a chance to drive a truck or a car that's that's been that good before. So, uh, rolling to Daytona, it's a huge confidence booster and a morale booster for my guys and myself, knowing that the truck that's in that hauler is is every bit as capable as the truck that's you know that's in Johnny Sauter's hauler. So, um, it really gives us a lot of confidence and and a lot of excitement for this year. And I think, um, you know, having that alliance has been really beneficial and working with already getting a chance to get to know some of the people at GMS racing, like Mike Beam and, and some of those other guys over there. It's, it's been really, you know, really cool to start building, you know, that relationship on a, on a more personal level. So um, I'm, I'm excited about it. I think that, you know, having, having that quality of equipment is going to be really beneficial for us this year. Absolutely. And Justin, thank you so much uh, for joining the show tonight you're great and great best of luck in 2018 i'm sure you guys are uh looking forward to it and uh we're rooting for you hey thank you guys thank you for having me on it was a pleasure yeah uh, no problem justin fontaine driver number 45 national camping world truck series truck this week this season at nice motorsports uh great great call there john you know what i liked about it was uh, very honest, very open. You know, I, I like the the realistic goals. Knowing he's a rookie, you know, going to a lot of these racetracks for the first time on the truck series. So, uh, you know, it's going to be a very interesting year. GMS uh, or Nice Motorsports with the alliance with GMS Racing, they got a lot of good things going on over there. Yeah, I think it's a good move. Uh, we talked about it last. We talked to Austin Wayne Self having 
the support of GMS Racing makes them more legit right off the bat. I mean, a lot of times they, the smaller sports teams or the Thor sport teams or the GMS racing teams. Now they are going to be in the same sort of equipment that those guys have. So you're going to go from fighting to stay on the lead lap or fighting to stay out of the way of the leader to fighting for the lead. So that's going to be the really cool thing on behalf of both Austin Wayne self and Justin Fontaine as they open up the 2018 season. Yeah. And what I like this team's done is, you know, they, they brought on a whole bunch of new people, um, you know, and, and I'm a big believer in people winning championships. You know, we talked about uh, the crew chief earlier, you know, both of them came from, from the Xfinity series, both of their crew chiefs, um, you know, one came from Pre- precision motorsports, a 46 car, and the other one came from Bianca uh, Dembeski and they're both car chiefs. So they got some background. They've been in the sport a long time. Uh, and bringing in new people, I think that's a, that's a huge help uh, to an organization that wants to improve. So, um, you know, and I'm, again, I'm a big believer in people winning championships. And speaking of that, John, uh, people winning championships, uh, sad news today. You know, um, when we put the, when I was putting the show together earlier, I didn't expect to have this. Uh, it was, came, out, came out about an hour and a half, two hours ago. Uh, 1989 NASCAR, uh, NASCAR Winston Cup Series Championship Crew Chief Barry Dotson passed away today. Um, you know, I'm not really going to go into details about what I've heard, but uh, he passed away. It was sudden. And, um, you know, when I think of Barry Dotson, you know, obviously you think of 1989 with Rusty Wallace. Uh, Blue Max Racing with that, with that organization, he did a great um, – that was a great year. I mean, Rusty, no doubt, was a great driver. But Barry Dotson had a lot to do with that. Um, and then I think of 1995 at Dover. Um, when he, you know, afraid to the sky, and the, the sky opened up, and uh, you know, after losing his kids, prayed to his kids, the sky opened up, and prayed that he had a, he needed a good run, and they went out and won with Kyle Petty, Kyle Petty's final win with Barry Dotson at, at Fabco. So uh, it, it's a sad day. Uh, he was a great guy. You know, I, I've spoken to him over Facebook a few times. Uh, a great guy, and just a really sad day uh, that Barry Dotson passed away here today, John. Yeah, um, I remember. Barry Dodson, I'm, I met him whenever I was at Dover covering races. Um, just a nice guy. I mean, whenever they first started NASCAR uh, this morning or total NASCAR and all that stuff, he was a contributor for Fox Sports 1. And the guy loved the sport. And it took, whenever he lost his kids, it took everything he had to get himself to the racetrack and keep going at the racetrack. I mean, he fell into a depression for a while, which I could only, I could never imagine. Being the father of two kids myself, I could never, ever imagine burying my children. It's not something parents prepare for. And for him to be able to make it back through that, win that race with Kyle Petty. Um, Barry Dodson, I mean, the guy has done so many things. I mean, he started off as the crew chief with Raymond Beetle with Old Blue Max Racing. And the first season, he was with Rich uh, Tim Rich Wallace. So, I mean, he didn't really have a – he didn't play himself – he didn't put himself with sucky drivers. He also crew chief for Daryl Waltrip. I mean, he had 19 wins in the Cup Series, um, and he won the title with Rusty in 89. I mean, he knew how to put a car together, and he was really good. I mean, he was even one of the guys that went over the wall. So, I mean, how many crew chiefs nowadays – 
do you ever see thinking about going over the wall? <laughs> Barry was one of those guys who, whenever he was there, he made sure that he was part of the team. He There was nothing else that mattered to him. And he also has part of his family tree. I mean, his stepson is Trent Owens, the crew chief for JT Doherty, right. Doherty Racing with uh, Chris Busher on the 37 car. So, I mean, Barry Dodson contributed to the sport for a long, long time. Barry Dodson's one of those unsung heroes who got the job done. He was always pleasant to be around. He was a great guy. And it's sad that he's gone at the age of 64. It is. It's, it's awful. And, and you talk about going over the wall. I, I watch, you know, and, and I do this from time to time when, you know, I take buses or trains. I used to go to New York for work. And I watched old races. And I watched a race from Dover, Derek Cope won in 1990. And in that race, Barry Dotson, it just shows you how tough he was, got his finger uh, taken off almost, his thumb like torn off. And I think it was, and I can't remember what exactly what happened. I want to say he got it in, caught in between the jack, the jack, maybe whatever it was. It was a uh, pretty devastating, you know, very painful injury. And he went out and finished his work, you know, and he said, listen, I'm coming back in and I'm com- going back to pit the car. And to me, that just shows you the type of guy and how tough he was. Uh, that, you know, I, I don't know if he, I think he might have lost his thumb or, or it was, you know, they had to sew it back on. I don't remember it to detail, but it just shows you how tough he was. And, you know, even after his days with Rusty Wallace, he still had some success. Uh, you know, we talked about Kyle Petty's win in Cup. He also went to Ultra Motorsports in the Truck Series with Mike Bliss and won some races there. Uh, one of the old, you know, one of the original truck teams with Jim Smith. And had a lot of success there. So, um, you know, six wins with, with Mike Bliss. Uh, from 95 to 98. So, you know, a, a guy who, um, you know, left a lasting impression on this sport. Uh, and from everything you hear about him, you know, Winston Kelly just tweeted something about how great he was and made his, um, you know, his experience on pit road a little bit better. Uh, and, and that's all you could say is that he was a good guy and, uh, you know, he'll surely be missed. That's for sure. Yeah, he will. I mean, Barry Dodson, I mean, he's, there aren't that many guys who want to want a cup title as a crew chief. Um, there aren't that many cup crew chiefs who've won 19 races and you look at who drove for him. Rusty Wallace, Tim Richmond, Daryl Waltrip, Kyle Petty. I mean, he, he helped build Sabco from nothing to what it turned into. And he also went back to the truck series. I mean, he was a general manager for Rusty Wallace. Whenever he started. So Barry Dodson has a piece of NASCAR history that will be there and his legacy continues on with his stepson Trent Owens well it does and Trent is a great Richie they had a good year this year in that 37 team I'm um, excited to see what that team holds uh, with, with the second year under their belt uh, Chris Busher is you know another year in cup under his belt you know I think that team can can compete for a championship uh, or compete for a, a playoff spot if all goes well so we'll see what that team has in store uh, for 2018. 917-889-8280. If you want to join the conversation here on Talking Circles tonight, you have a Barry Dotson moment, you know, something you remember about Barry Dotson, we're, we're listening here. Uh, but some other silly season news here, John. We talked about East Motorsports being in the news a lot lately. And here's one that's uh, I think a lot of people expected. You know, it's been rumored for a while about Front Row Motorsports, but they made it official this week, uh, or last week, I should say, where David Reagan and Michael McDowell will drive their cars uh, in the 2018 season. Uh, 
they haven't really announced any sponsorship yet. They haven't announced which drivers and what car yet, which is interesting. But they're also stepping up their program at Ford. They're going to get Tier 1 engines. Uh, Jerry Fries was on with Series X and NASCAR Radio yesterday, and Brad Kelly on a late shift um, talked about a lot of things. They might bring in actually more people from that team. So here's the team trying to step up um, their program here for 2018, hiring Michael McDowell and David Reagan stays with the organization. What are your thoughts on that, John? I think two things out of it. Michael McDowell showed that he's a uh, solid driver this year, driving for Levine Family Racing, and they didn't have the sponsorship that most of your big teams did, but they were solid. I mean, you knew they were there. It's not like they were back there 34th, 35th every week. They were fighting for top 15s, top 20s, and with the sponsorship and funding that they had, I think it was a great season for Michael McDowell. Uh, the one thing I hope and hope and hope for Michael McDowell's sake is Todd Parrott follows him to Front Row Motorsports. Um, I think one of the things that Front Row Motorsports is trying, I mean, they're doing it the right way. They've uh, slowly but surely built up and built up, and they're building a little further. Um, one of the things you look at, Michael McDowell and David Reagan, they don't tear up equipment. If they get involved in something, it's usually not of their doing. They're usually somewhere where something happens around them, and they just can't get away from it. Um I think when Michael McDonald, I mean, Michael McDowell, you remember he finished in the top five at uh, Bristol that year. That was probably one of the most emotional um, post-race interviews I've ever seen for somebody who wasn't in victory lane for the first time. I mean, you would have thought he won the race when he finished fifth. Um, I think it's going to be a good move. Michael McDowell has proven this year that he is a solid driver. And 10 to 1, he's bringing sponsorship with him. He's probably bringing K-Love Race, I mean, K-Love Radio, uh, I think Thrivent Financial might be coming with them because uh, Thrivent Financial and K-Love are both uh, Christian-oriented businesses, and Michael McDowell wears his uh, beliefs on his sleeve. And you got to love that, that in this era of political correctness anymore, that there is somebody out there who's willing to wear their faith on their sleeves, and Michael McDowell does that and represents those businesses well, and hopefully they're following through with I mean, following him to fr- uh, Front Row Motorsports. Yeah, and listen, there's a lot of people who were upset that McDowell lost his ride this year because of Casey Kane, you know. Um, and, and listen, I understand that completely. I mean, he had a good enough year where he deserved to ride out the wave there. You know, he, he took a lot of – he's taken a lot of lumps in this sport, McDowell. I remember when he when he first started at Michael Waltrip Racing, uh, it wasn't a great uh, tenure there at Michael Waltrip Racing. I remember one particular accident um, at Watkins Glen a bunch of years ago where you kind of set, scratched your head and you said, what was that all about? But he's taken his lumps. You know, he ran for Phil Parsons. He ran for uh, Prism Motorsports back in the day. Um, you know, starting in parking, doing a, taking a lot of lumps and found his way into the 95 team and ran very, you know, ran good enough to where they were able to get an association with RCR and really had a good year this year, like you mentioned. And, um, you know, you like seeing that. You like seeing guys who have been there for a while taking their lumps and saying, you know what, he's getting an opportunity where he can be competitive, and he was. Uh, unfortunately for him, you know, this the 95 will probably have a little bit stronger alliance with Hendrick Motorsports uh, than they did last year with Richard, Chil- with Richard Childress Racing. Um, so he kind of takes a lateral step, if not a step back here at the front row of motorsports, but it's a solid ride. It's an opportunity for McDowell to expand on his career. If he runs really good here, maybe a, a team will see him and say, we want him in our car because he's taking front row motorsports and done great. But this team, I think, is destined for a better year now. I think it's a little bit hyped um, as far as they're not, you know, we haven't really heard any, any 
as I talk about with Nice Motorsports, they're bringing in new people over there. I'm like, I would, I would be excited if I was Nice Motorsports. Well, Front Row Motorsports hasn't really announced a whole bunch of new people. Sean McDowell's a new driver. But other than that, they haven't announced, you know, we're getting new engineers, we're getting, uh, you know, new people in the front in the front office. They haven't really announced that just yet. I think if they do that, uh, it's a big step in the right direction because I'm a believer in people win championships. I'm a believer in that. Now, obviously, equipment helps a lot, especially in this day and age where uh, it seems like equipment is more and more um, special, you know, more and more important every year. Um, so that definitely matters. And strong, strongening, you know, tightening your alliance with Rash Fenway Racing will help that. And getting Tier 1 engines will help that. But, you know, I think they need to make the next step there as well. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll see what we get from this organization. But definitely I think they got, they're more invested. And, and give Bob Jenkins credit. You know, this is a, an owner who a lot, you know, a lot of owners are going out there a lot of the big team, big time owners are sitting there going, we're not making a ton of money, we're not making a ton of money, we're not making a ton of money, you know, they, they want this and that change. And Bob Jenkins, who hasn't run, you know, they haven't been a very uh, ultimately competitive team, has weathered the storm here, and now he's getting better and better and better. Um, so give him credit because, you know, that takes a lot of determination, a lot of, uh, you know, passion to, to ride that out, and he's done it. So I give him a lot of credit for that. I think one of the things you look at when it comes to Michael McDowell is, whenever he was starting and parking in the cup series and doing what he could to make sure that they still knew who he was in the garage area. And that is one of the biggest things you have to do. If you're somebody who's uh, fighting to make a name for yourself, fighting to grow in the sport and you're out there making a name for yourself and they see you during those times, whenever Joe Gibbs would have some one-off racings races, Michael McDowell was very, very competitive in the Joe Gibbs racing Xfinity car. Michael McDowell won an Xfinity race for Richard Childress Racing. Whenever they're on the road courses, no matter who Michael McDowell is driving for, you look at him, you don't look at him the same way as you do Almendinger, but you look at him as a threat. And that's something that a Levine family racing never really had before. But they looked at Michael McDowell as a threat when it came to the road course races. And Michael McDowell has continued to grow in his craft. He's continued to get better. And it's one of those things anymore. You look at the age of the drivers these days. Look at who's coming up this year. Look at the newbies. I mean, you've got Chase Elliott, who's, what, 22. You've got Blaney, who's 24. You've got Bubba, who's 25. You've got William Byron, who still can't buy a beer and can't, couldn't win the Coors Light Pole Award or whatever it's going to be this year. You've got Bowman, who's under 24. Um it just seems like this is the turnover time where everybody's starting to get younger. And Michael McDowell's that guy who didn't get here till he was 24, 25. And now he's hitting the 30, 31, 32 year old range where he's about to be an elder statesman and he's in a mid pack team. I don't think he's ever going to get to the Joe Gibbs racings or the Richard Childress racings or all that stuff, unless he has a ton of sponsorship coming with him. But he's one of those guys who can help Bob Jenkins protect equipment because Castle had a good time. To, I mean, he tore up some, he tore up some equipment this year. Michael McDowell is not a guy who tears up equipment. So they'll be able to continue to build on what they have instead of going back to the drawing board and having to rebuild or redo or create new every time they come, come back from the racetrack. Absolutely. And, and, you know, I think McDowell finished every race, this season are close to it. So that's uh you're absolutely right hitting a home run there with that point. Nine one seven eight eight nine eight two eight zero if you want to join the conversation on Talking Circles tonight. Clayton Cole and John Harlow with you 
here. Um, a team that, you know, we talk about the silly season, and, and the Cup Series, um, you know, pretty much everything's ironed out as far as the big teams are concerned. You know, we, we saw Kurt Busch get announced last week in that 41. Officially, we kind of knew that was happening. Um, you know, but what we what we are looking for uh, with these big teams is uh, there's still a lot of crew chiefs that haven't really been announced yet. Um, and this week, uh, a couple of crew chiefs were announced at Stuart Haas Racing this week, um, which is very interesting. Uh, you know, I think a lot of people expected – a change between Clint Boyer and Mike Bogoravich after they had a little bit of a blow-up at Talladega. They're staying the same. Mike Bogoravich and Clint Boyer will stay the same. Obviously, Kevin Harvick and Rodney Childers will stay the same as well. Um, there's no need to change that. But two drivers at Stewart House Racing will have two new crew chiefs. Um, Billy Scott will become the crew chief. He moves from the 10 car to the number 41 car with Kurt Busch. Uh, Scott worked with Danica Patrick the last couple of seasons. He ran, uh, worked at Michael Walter Bracing before that. Uh, an engineering background goes to Kurt Busch. Uh, John Klausmeyer, who was the engineer uh, at Stewart House Racing for several years, he'll be the crew chief for Eric Amarola next season. A, a first-time gig for him, a, a first-time job. So, um, you know, crew chief job for Klausmeyer, who actually won a race in an interim role with Kurt Busch. Um, but what are your thoughts on Stewart House Racing here, John, uh, making those announcements? Tony Gibson... Uh, coming off the road, I'm sure he's a little, he's relieved about that. You know, still having a prominent role with the organization, just not traveling to the racetrack every week. Uh, what are your thoughts on the changes there at Stuart House Racing? I think it should be, um, <clears throat> excuse me, no real no real difference. I mean, Billy Scott's a solid crew chief. Clint Boyer, Billy Scott is like Michael Racing, and um, it's not like Michael Waltrip Racing was any right anything to write home about right then. Um, Rob Kaufman was trying to get out. Michael Waltrip didn't have a penny to piss in. Um, so that last year was a catastrophe at Michael Waltrip Racing. Um, and I think Billy Scott is a better crew chief than it showed because he didn't have a driver under his belt last year. I think it's good that he's getting a chance with Eric Almarola. I mean, both of them have something to show. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, with Kurt Busch. Uh, Billy Scott, I think, is a good crew chief. And Kurt Busch, I mean, you look, he's made – Lesser equipment looked good. Look what he did for uh, James Finch. Look what he did with Furniture Row. I mean, he helped build Furniture Row from being the 20th, 25th place car with Kenny Wallace and Regan Smith, and he put him in the chase whenever his one year at Furniture Row Racing. Um, you also look at what he did with James Finch. I mean, that that was always an also-ran car, and he had him competitive the whole time he was there. So Kurt Busch makes crew chiefs look better. I mean, Tony Gibson is a really, really good crew chief. I mean, you go back to the days of Alan Kowicki. He was the car chief for that championship team. He was the car chief for two of Jeff Gordon's championships. He crew chief for Dale Earnhardt a little bit. I mean, Dale Earnhardt Jr. He crew chief for um, Steve Park. And then whenever um, DEI sort of folded. They brought everybody over to Stuart Haas Racing. He crew chief for Ryan Newman. He crew chief for Danica a little bit, and he crew chief for um, Kurt Busch. And he's had a solid career. And like you said, Tony Gibson's role isn't going to be nothing. He's the guy who has to go. He's the one who's going to go to the technical teardown whenever they have anything like that. And he said he's probably going to go to about 12 races during the year. But when you're Tony Gibson, I mean, he said he's been on the road four days a week for 30 years, and it takes a toll on you. So it's nice he's going to be able to get back, stay in the shop, continue to be a key player at Stuart Haas Racing. And he's one of the guys who's been there since Stuart got in there with Gene Haas 
and turned it from Haas CNC, which was struggling to make every show, to winning a championship with Tony Stewart, winning races with Ryan Newman, winning races with Kurt Busch, Kevin Harvick winning a championship. I, I think Tony Gibson has found where he wants to be, and he's always said, and Tony Stewart's always said it, this team is built by racers, for racers. They need the engineering support, which uh, John Klausmeyer is going to bring, and Billy Scott brings, but you need the guys who have the old school, I know how to get it done, and have a feel for what the driver feels with his butt. Oh, absolutely, and, and you talk about Tony Gibson. I mean, uh, long career, and you can totally, totally understand, um, you know, wanting to come off the road. I think if, if, you know, we all went 30 years doing something, you know, we'd want a, a little bit of a change. And obviously motorsports and racing and NASCARs in particular, it's a great job. It's a great life. I don't think he would change it for anything in the world, but you can understand as far as getting tired of traveling. I think that's the one downside if you're a, a race fan or, or a race car driver or something to that nature where, you know, it's 36 weeks out of a 52, you know, 38 weeks if you want to include the two ex- expedition races uh, out of a 52 year. So it, it's a lot. And, um, you know, not, not that, you know, again, these guys get paid good money and, and not that it's, you know, um, you know, not a, a, a bad job at all, but it's just you can understand after a while how it gets to be a little bit, um, you know, tra- the travel gets a little bit dull after a while for sure. You can totally understand that. Um, some interesting news today, John. Some interesting, uh, you know, things coming up. Jeff Gordon was on with Joe Bucks uh, this this weekend, brought up a, a interesting topic uh, that's starting to get a little bit of a play here. Um, we have Jeff Gordon and, and, and what he said. So here's what he said to uh, Joe Buck. Or, excuse me, uh, yeah, Joe Buck. It's Joe Buck doing the interview, with, asking him with Jeff Gordon. It's a minute and 47, and it talks about Jeff Gordon. Uh, whenever uh, he would get too far out stinking up the show. You know, he says basically um, that, uh, you know, he used to have a signal and stuff like that with 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 um, Rick, with Ray Evernham, excuse me. Um, you know, so it's interesting because um, Jeff Gordon, when he won, you know, he won in a three-year period, ninety-six, ninety-seven, ninety-eight. He won uh, thirty-three races there, and you know, I think when you look at that. You say, how could you win 33 races and then tell somebody that you're backing down? Um, you know, when he got a four-second lead, he basically came out and said, you know, uh, when I got a four-second lead, uh, we had signals that came out and said, hey, you know, you're, you're over four seconds because he didn't want to stink up the show too badly. You know, he won a 33 races. And a lot of those races, John, from what I remember, I mean, I remember uh, the 1996 Southern 500 where he beat Hutch Strickland. You know, that, that was a two-car race. There was two cars in the lead lap at the end of that race. So if if he was scaling down uh, after a four second four lead, second lead drivers as drivers as drivers as bad drivers as, he as, was, bad as he was, you know you have to sit there and say, uh, you know how bad could he have beaten him if he wasn't scaling down? So I thought very interesting comments uh, for Jeff Gordon. Yeah, because unlike Earnhardt, where he he sort of saw the bigger picture, he spent a lot more time with with say Bill French Jr., who was running NASCAR, owned NASCAR that time, and and Bill would explain to him, you know, hey, listen, 
this is racing, but this is, this is a sport, an entertainment sport. And so what happens on the track, if it's not entertaining, people aren't going to want to watch it. Me, I didn't get that. I was just, I'm going to pass the car. I want to win the race. I don't care how exciting it is. Um, you know, I don't, you know, it, none, none of that at that time mattered to me. I just wanted to win. And so all of a sudden we, something happened and, and Ray got, had, had a conversation with someone. They said, listen, boy, y'all are stinking up the show. And, and that's not good for NASCAR. Um, you need to, to be thinking about that. And, and so we had that conversation. So we actually, we had uh, a signal in the car. If I had a big lead, they would say, okay, you know, one second lead. All right. Two second lead, three second lead. All right, Jeff, you're at four seconds. And it would never get more, more than four seconds. Uh, I, I, You'd back I'm, it down. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And that's from uh, Jeff Gordon's interview with Joe Buck that was on earlier this evening on uh, the audience network. Um, interesting comments by Jeff there, Clayton. Oh yeah. Listen, I, again, I, I, like I said before, I think the, the, the crazy part to me is, you know, and I'm, I'm referring to a particular race on uh, in 1996 of Southern 500, where he and Hutch Strickland had a, an epic battle, Hutch Strickland driving for the Stavola brothers, uh, you know, him and, and Felipe Lopez did a great job, had a great uh, race car, and Jeff tracked him down at the end and passed him. Well, you know, you could say, well, we backed it down after four seconds, but there was three cars on the lead lap that day. You know, there was only uh, – there were six cautions, but there was three cars on the lead lap that day, Jeff Hutt and Mark Martin at the end. Um, so it wasn't like, he, you know, how it is nowadays where you have 15 cars on the lead lap and we have stages and, and, and debris cautions and stuff like that that came out to bunch up the field. Um, so I felt like you had to run a little bit harder back then, um, but maybe not. Maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong on that. Where, you know, if he was back in the down John after four seconds, I would love to have seen what would have happened if uh, if he was running hard the whole time, or or not backing it down after four seconds because he would have whipped these guys even worse. I mean, he like I said, he, in that three year period in '96, '97, '98, he won 33 races. In three years, it's 11 races a year. He won 10, 10, and 13. I mean, that is incredible, and it just shows you that, that how good Jeff Gordon was at that time. And you're telling me he was backing it down at that after a four, only a four-second lead? That's pretty wild. Uh, one of the things I think when you uh, look at the total picture of how things were, part of me wonders if Bill France Jr. was saying, "Hey, don't stink up the show," which probably was a piece of it. Also, wonder. Ray Evernham always, always operated in the gray area. I mean, you look at that T-Rex car that Ray Evernham and um, the chassis guy for Tony Stewart now, Rex Stump, put together. Rex Stump. If you look at what they did with that car, and there was nothing illegal about it, and they just, that was the ultimate stink up the show. I mean, they almost lapped the whole field at the Winston. And Bill France Jr. came up to him after the race, put his arm around Ray Everham and said, that car's illegal, boy. Don't ever bring it back. And by the time Wednesday rolled around, there was a complete new technical update that ruled out everything that Rex Stump found in the gray area. So I think Ray Everham 
could build a car better than anybody. Jeff Gordon in his prime was as good a driver as we ever had in NASCAR. And there's a part of me that wonders, I mean, you keep hearing about, I mean, Jimmy Johnson doing what he did and has done and continues to do with Chad Knauss as his crew chief at the 40 with Rick Hendrick. I wonder if Jeff, Jeff Gordon would have eight titles if Ray Everham didn't get the ungodly offer from Dodge to bring Dodge back into NASCAR. Because I think if Ray and Jeff stayed together, I don't know if Jimmy is chasing um, Richard Petty and Dale Earnhardt. I think Jimmy Johnson might be chasing uh, Jeff Gordon. And I don't know if Jimmy Johnson beats Jeff Gordon if Ray Everham's on top of the toolbox. It's interesting. Uh, and 917-889-8280 joins the show here on Talking Circles tonight. Clayton Cole and John Harlow. It is interesting. I think a lot of Gordon fans and a lot of fans in general would love to have seen what would have happened if Ray didn't leave in the middle of 99 to start his Dodge team. Uh, you know, and that's the, that's the thing that I think you look at and you say, um, you know, Jeff won a ton of races with Robbie Loomis. He won a ton of races with Steve Letard. He won a couple of races with Alan Gustafson as his crew chief. Um, but everybody seems to have that one crew chief that they just seem to understand, they seem to get, they seem to, um, you know, just perform their best under. For Dale Earnhardt Jr., you know, Junior Nation, you know, they feel like the day that Junior uh, lost Steve Letarte was the day they lost, you know, a piece of them died. You know, when they lost Steve Letarte to go up to uh, the press box because they knew with Steve Letarte he could get the most out of Dale Earnhardt Jr. Um, you know, and there's plenty of guys who had that, you know, uh, was Richard Petty as strong without Dale Inman? You could argue no. I mean, I think there was a lot more changes going on at Petty Enterprises. There was a lot more stuff going on at Petty Enterprises than just Dale Inman leaving. But, um, you know, that you've got somebody in this sport where chemistry is huge, where you just get that. Um, and I think the driver and crew chief chemistry and driver, and that is the most underrated thing in all in this whole sport is just how they, they, how it goes, you know, and I, and I always say this, you know, people always look at Jimmy and Chad and they say, well, if Chad could win any with anybody, well, Chad was a crew chief for a year with, with Stacy Compton and, <laughs> and in 2001 and, and they didn't perform that great. Yeah. It was at Melling and, and the team didn't have as much funding as they had at Hendrick Motorsports. But if Chad was this, you know, magical hero, he would have made Stacy Compton look like, you know, a, a, an absolute, uh, superstar and, and Compton did fine in that car but to me when certain people get together and certain people you know shine you don't want to touch that ever and that's why I always say you can say all you want about Chad Canassing being a great crew chief and he is he's a phenomenal crew chief I'm not trying to say he's not but if he was with another driver who knows if he would have had success because it comes down to the chemistry between the driver and crew chief same thing with Jimmy Johnson who knows if they had success but I don't think either one of them want to try it without each other because they've had so much success. Um, and, you know, Rodney Childers is that way right now with Kevin Harvick, where I think if you told Kevin Harvick you're, Rodney Childers is, go, is going away, he would put up a fight until, they, until he was blue in the face um, that he wants Rodney Childers. Same thing with, I think, Brad Kislowski and Paul Wolf. You know, it's just certain guys who get along there. And so when you talk about Ray Evernham, for sure, I think it would have been very interesting to see what would have happened with Jeff Gordon because 
they had the chemistry and they got along, and no doubt Ray pushed the limits. Uh, I think that's what you had to do back then to win. It was a lot of it was within the rules, some of it wasn't. You know, you had that epic, uh, that classic moment with Jack Roush with something about uh, tires. I believe it was Rockingham one time, um, but it, it certainly is interesting to think about what would have happened if Ray stayed for sure. Well, like you were saying, I was thinking just through my head quick whenever you were talking about the chemistry between a crew chief and a driver. Let's look at some of the ones who, whenever they had the right crew chief, they were unbelievable. Tony Stewart and Greg Zipidelli. Uh, Todd Parrott and Dale Jarrett. Uh, Daryl Waltrip and Jeff Hammond. Uh, like you said, Richard Petty and Dale Inman. The one guy who literally blows the water, Dale Earnhardt. He won yeah. with Jake. He won with Kirk Shelmerdine. He won with Andy Petrie. He won with Larry McReynolds. Didn't win a championship, but won races with Larry McReynolds. Won races with um, Kevin, Kevin Hamlin. I mean, you could put a monkey on the box with Earnhardt, and he'd find a way to win. And that's one of the things that made him different than almost everybody else who came through the sport. I mean, Bobby Labonte wasn't the same when um, Jimmy Maycar came off the box. Um, right. Tony Stewart, I mean, he, he built a quick relationship with Darian Grubb, but Tony Stewart wasn't the same whenever he, when Darian Grubb went away. So you have those crew chiefs that match with the driver perfectly. I mean, when um, Matt Kenseth was in the 17, Robbie Reiser was on the box. They were phenomenal. When Robbie Reiser came off the box and went to uh, in-house and they started putting other people on Kenseth's car, it wasn't the same. I mean, Carl Edwards and Bob Osborne for a while. I mean, you have these crew chiefs that are perfect. Look at the way Kyle Busch is right now with Adam Stevens. Yep. They are and, I mean, and, with Keselowski and Paul Wolf, Joey Logano and um, his crew Todd chief, Gordon. Todd Gordon. You've yeah. got these crew chiefs that are working hand-in-hand hand with these guys. Um, Jeremy Mullins and um, Ryan Blaney are going to be a team that's well to get well, work well together for a long time. <clears throat> I think it's a team. I mean, you can't say one is great without the other because a lot of times you have those special relationships, Buddy Parrott and Rusty Wallace, um, Barry Dodson and Rusty Wallace. But once those uh, break up, neither are as good. It's almost the, um, the old geometry theory, the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. Um, the whole, when you get a right driver and right crew chief together, definitely is better than the sum of the parts. Oh, absolutely. Um, and, you know, it, that to me, again, is the most underrated thing about this sport, where you look at it and you say, does, do we really, you know, see a driver's potential if they don't get the right crew chief? I'll give you another driver who we failed to mention, and, and that's the reigning champion with Martin Truex Jr. I mean, Martin Truex Jr., yeah, he had success in, in NASCAR prior to getting with Cole Pern and Furniture Racing, but you know he had Todd Parrott, or Todd Barry there his first year, and they just didn't seem to gel. Bring in Cole Pern, and it, a light switch went on, and all that team does now is win and won a championship with him. So you know it's not like Martin Truex Jr. all of a sudden figured out how to drive a race car, and you know Furniture Racing, it, it just it's the chemistry and it's what how these guys, um, you know just understand each other and, and how they can build a car for one another. You know, it, to me, that is the ultimate, ultimate 
um, thing about this sport, and I, and I think it's a very underrated thing about this sport. Um, you know, and there's certain drivers who search for it, and uh, it's gonna be, that's why it's so interesting when you look at it. You say, uh, what, you know, what happens with that whole deal? And and so, you know, listen. At the end of the day, I think uh, being a crew chief and 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 being with a a uh, a driver who you look at and and you're successful with, uh, it, it's it's very very cool to look at. Um, you know, this week we ran a, a poll on our Facebook page, and, and it's it's something that I, I want to uh, get your opinion on here in a little bit, John. As far as what driver in a new ride will have the most success in 2018? Now, obviously, there's still a lot of stuff to be ironed out. You know, but for the most part in the Cup Series, you know, especially with the smaller teams, you know, we don't know who's uh, – there's a lot of rumors going on with, with charters being placed around, moved around. Uh, you know, Ray Black Jr. seemed to have a ride over there at uh, with, with Rick Ware Racing, and now that seems to have fallen apart here in the last week or two. Um, so a lot of the stuff in, in, the, in the, you know, lower – the smaller teams hasn't been finalized yet. Um but a lot of the big name drivers and a lot of the a lot of the big teams have figured stuff out. They've had it figured out for a long time. So you know, there's a bunch of drivers out there right now who are running for a new team. Casey Kane, you have William Byron, you have um, Alex Bowman, you have uh, Paul Menard, Ryan Blaney, Eric Jones, Eric Amarola, you know, Michael McDowell for for uh, you know this week was it was announced. Which of these drivers will have the most improvement from their 2017 season to their 2018 season? Now, I, I think it's going to be interesting because I'm curious to see what Bowman has. You know, I mean, Bowman won an Xfinity race this year with um, uh, with Ganassi this year. Did a great job, but he's been out of a cup, cup car for almost a year. Uh, did he lose anything? Will it take a little while for him to get you know his his bearings back, as you can say? Maybe we'll see about that. And will that affect his run at the championship? William Byron, rookie driver, we saw last year where a lot of people expected Eric Jones to get in that 77 car after having so much success in Xfinity and in trucks and really really run good. And Eric Jones had a fine year last year, but he didn't make the playoffs. Um, you know, it wasn't like he was like wow. And when you come into this sport and into the series and the Cup series. As a rookie, you still have a lot to learn. Now, I think William Byron can be a superstar in this sport. I think he's one of the best drivers to come into this sport in a long time. Um, but there's still going to be a learning curve. I think there's certainly going to be a learning curve for William Byron. So um, I think when you look at at these drivers, you know, Eric Amarola is going to be in the best ride he's ever been in. Uh, Paul Menard, he's you know going to be driving for the Wood Brothers uh, in 2018. Uh, Ryan Blaney at Team Penske. You know, John, just which one of these drivers, which one of the drivers in the new cars, Casey Kane, uh, you know, kind of looking for a fresh start after having a couple of tough years at Hendrick Motorsports, which one of these drivers who are in a new ride here in 2018 do you expect to improve the most as we get ready uh, for the 2018 season? I don't think uh, Ryan Blaney's one of those ones you really – I mean, technically he's in a new ride. But they were getting their cars from Penske. Jeremy Bullins is coming back with them. 
pretty much the crews coming with them. I mean, it's not like they're rebuilding from or starting over from scratch. So I almost count Ryan Blaney out of that thing. Um, I think uh, Eric Almirola has the most to prove because Tony Stewart took a shot. I mean, Smithfield took a shot. Smithfield is paying a lot of money and backing Eric Almirola bigger than ever before. He's in better equipment ever than ever before. And everybody's going to look and say, I wonder what Matt Kenseth would have done in that ride. Everybody else, I mean, um, Byron, he's a young gun, and he's been successful in everything he's driven in, and Rick Hendrick is looking at the future. Um, I think Alex Bowman has a lot to show. I think Casey Kane, this is his year. It's his make-or-break year. He either gets that 95 car into the playoffs, or Casey Kane may not be racing in the Cup Series next year. It's a one-year deal at Levine Family Racing. So that's the one. Those are the three that I think you sort of look as outliers, but they have the most to prove. Yeah, listen, I, it's going to be very interesting here because I think um, there's just so much movement. And Bernard, for sure, you know, they had a tough year last year. Paul, I think, did. Richard Richard Childress racing at a tough year this year uh, in 2017. Um, so, you know, I think he's looking for a rebound. You know, but you, you talk about Amarola, it's interesting. You know, even William Byron, John, and, and, and I said this, and I don't mean this to knock Eric Jones, but I, when Eric Jones came into to the Cup Series, I think a lot of people said he's going to make the playoffs, he's going to win some races, and he didn't do that. And he really, um, you know, he didn't have a horrible year where you sat there and went, like, oh, my gosh, Eric Jones needs to get – but he didn't have as good as I think a lot of people expected because he was so good in extending and so good in trucks, you kind of expected them to naturally be – good and great in a cup series and win some races. Uh, but there was a learning curve. And I think everybody, you know, you expect that um, naturally with a rookie. William Byron's in the same boat where, listen, this kid has won a ton of races in, in Xfinity, won a ton of races in trucks, and now he's coming to the cup series with a big-time operation. And I think a lot of people are expecting him to just jump in the cup series and win a ton of races and say, okay, he's going to compete for a playoff spot. That might not happen here. Um, and, you know, Alex Bowman's another guy who, out of a ride for a year, um, you know, will will he be rusty? I mean, he showed this year running for Ganassi in the Xfinity Series that there might be might be no such thing. Um, but what are your thoughts on those two guys there at Hendrick Motorsports? They're new drivers for 2018 um, as far as how they'll, they'll perform. I think um, equipment will help. I don't know he's still running Joe Gibbs equipment last year, even though it was furniture row and they were building the team from scratch. These guys are going into uh, decent teams already. Uh, the five team was decent. It wasn't fantastic, but he's got a great leader on that box in Darian Grubb. Who's won a championship before uh, William Byron. He's got Alan Gustafson, who is a solid crew chief again, but I think Bowman's, I mean, Byron's got Bowman and, um, He's been in the 88 a couple times. He showed he can drive it, but he hasn't shown he can do it over a lengthy period of time. So it's still going to be a learning curve for all of them. But Bowman showed by winning in the 42 car in the Xfinity Series, he can get the car around the track. Absolutely. Um, And it's going to be a very interesting 2018 year with all the um, changes 
in the Cup Series. I want to thank Justin Fontaine for joining the show tonight. Uh, it was a great talk. Also want to send our thoughts and prayers out to Barry Dotson's family and friends and anybody that knew him. Uh, tough day there uh, in the NASCAR community. We'll see you here next week on Talking in Circles. Uh, Merry Christmas, everybody. And, and happy holiday season and, and Merry Christmas. Good night, everybody.